You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Good afternoon everyone. Welcome to One Hour at a Time. Um, Today is uh, December 24th and Merry Christmas to all of you out there who are celebrating and Happy Holidays to the rest of you. Um, I'm very happy today to have as my guest, Cynthia Marino-Tui, Executive Director of NADAC, the Association for Addiction Professionals. And today our, con- our, our discussion, we're going to center around recovery and conflict. And oftentimes during recovery, or even if you're not in recovery, holidays are a time when we're around um, people we love and care for and people who we often have had conflicts with in our past or may currently be having conflicts with. And sometimes holidays brings out the the stress and strain of relationships. And um, I would like to invite Cynthia to, to, to talk to all of us about uh, the role of conflict and recovery, especially during the holidays. So, Cynthia, um, could, you, could you tell me and the rest of our guests about conflict and how that relates to recovery and... Yes, thank thank you, Mary, for inviting me to be on the show, and thank you for this topical area, which is really important during the holidays. Um, Conflict relates to recovery in that every single person in recovery has relationships, and conflict comes out of relationships. And in terms of relationships during the holidays, every, every relationship that you're in, whether it's with your employer or a colleague, a significant other, a child, will go over some stress and tension over the holidays. Part of that is because it's the holiday season and it's kind of a, there's a, an expect, expectation for how the holiday will be. Part of it is because of the, you know, everybody's going 100 miles an hour during the holiday. And part of that is because of those old memory triggers that happen about holidays, how they ought to be. You know, that it ought to be a very special time, a very fun time, a very um, warm and close-knit time. And for everybody, that's not the way it is, and particularly for people in recovery. Well, and that's right. And we do know that a large percentage of people in recovery come from um, homes that where there has been alcoholism or drug abuse. So for a lot of people... Um, just the, the idea of having a holiday is it's not about celebration, it's about conflict and, and being in an environment where there's been active substance abuse. So um, it's, it's, a, it's especially, I think, difficult for people in early recovery to manage the holidays. I think you're right. And one of the, 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 the central part of conflict in our brain comes out of the limbic system. The limbic system is that... Um, ancient system, reptilian system in our brain. It's the most developed system that we have because it is the initial system that was developed in our brain. It's also the system that houses addiction, alcohol and drug addiction and other addictions and and likes to be placated or likes to be medicated, if you will, um, in order to deal with stress and tension. That's also where stress and tension come out of. So you can see how all these things interplay in that limbic system of the brain. 
how can people in early recovery, um, when they're, for some people, and even people who are, who are not in recovery, you know, we're involved in relationships, and um, relationships evolve over time, and uh, there are different stages of relationships. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yes, there are five major stages that people transverse through in relationships. And it doesn't matter if you're in recovery or not or if you've ever had an addiction or not. These are just normal developmental stages. And the first stage is honeymoon. So if you think back to the last romantic relationship that you started, think back to what that honeymoon time was like. I mean, what were the special things that you said to each other or the cards that you did, the places that you went, the music you listened to, the dances that you did, the feelings that you had, first time you touched, the first time you kissed. It was electric, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. And, and it was very special. It was very, very special. Honeymoon is probably the most exciting phase of relationship building that there is. And we kind of get addicted to it, actually. We like it a lot. But and for a lot of us, that's what we see relationships as being. That's like the standard. You're right, because we've been taught, what, the Cinderella story, yeah. the enchanted story. This is how relationships go. Right. And they're supposed to be this way, and aren't you supposed to sweep the other person off their feet and somehow fall into a mind hole of love? <laughs> a <laughs> you mind know, that's hole. That's how we see it. Yeah. But then what happens after you've been with somebody for a while? It gets old. It's old. It gets, it, you start to notice what? The little things that make you get, yeah, put you on edge. Yeah, the, the grinding of the teeth, the, um, not taking the hair out of the drain. Right. Yeah. The way that they roll up the toothpaste or don't. Right. Leave the toilet seat up. Right. Leave their clothes around the room. Right. Um, the way that, that now it seems like they don't talk to you as much or that sex isn't as much fun or that right. they're, you're starting to feel like your partner takes you for granted. Right. It, right. These are all normal things. And, and the reason why we go through this stage of disillusionment, because it's called the stage of disillusion, is because we get to know each other better and we get more comfortable and we get more who we are. So the second stage would be disillusionment and as we uh, we need to take a commercial break right now and when we come back we're going to talk more about disillusionment in relationships and learn about the other stages of relationships as well so um, hang in there and we'll be back in a couple minutes You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned 
common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out. And you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. Um, it is December 24th, and we're talking about relationships and resolving conflict around relationships. And before going to break, Cynthia was explaining to us the different stages that, that relationships go through. And we talked about the honeymoon phase where um, where it's warm and exciting and um, kind of the way most of us are trained or taught to believe relationships should be. And then we went from the honeymoon phase to the disillusionment phase, which I think most of us can relate to. And we were talking about that as we went to break. So, Cynthia, could you pick it up from there? Sure. So, in disillusion, this is where we begin to ask that question of, is this person all that they're cracked up to be? Is this person who I thought this person was supposed to be? So, we start arguments, arguments. we're not as satisfied. We begin irritations with each other and talking about those irritations until we get to the phase of the third, the third phase, which is misery. And you know you're in misery, Mary, because you ask the question, what the heck did I ever see in that person in the first place? What am I doing in this relationship? Misery happens if you stay in a relationship long enough. Some people jump out of a relationship as soon as they are moving out of honeymoon into disillusion. They'll move out of the relationship. They'll quit it. So they're honeymoon hoppers. Uh-huh. And there's other people who stay through disillusion and and then break up in misery. And you probably know of clients that you've worked with or people that you 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 know that have been in misery for 10, 15 years. Yeah, I, I have friends. <laughs> you know, yes, I know a lot of people. And um, and I don't think I've ever conceptualized that as being a stage of relationship. I think I've seen that as a relationship gone bad. You know, most people do. And and the difference between a relationship gone bad and just going through the stage of misery 
is that in the in the state in in just going through the stage and it not being a poor relationship or an unhealthy relationship, you don't have physical abuse or or sexual deviance. You don't have that kind of depth of emotional abuse in this type of misery. There are relationships that go through misery that have those components. But all of us will go through some type of misery where we will ask the question of what did I see in this person and is there any light at the end of the tunnel? Mm. What we don't realize is what the conversation is that we really need to have is what do I need to be in relationship with this person? What are my needs? Because most of us don't talk that in depth and that deep about what our needs are to be in relationship. Right, because during the honeymoon phase, it feels like all your needs are being met. You're right. You're right. And in disillusionment, you're just beginning to feel uncomfortable, but you know that there's going to be some arguments and that um, stuff happens in relationships. So you're a little less concerned about it. Right, right. And for women especially, um, you know, trying to advocate for your needs is something that a lot of us haven't been um, taught to do. Right, and since one of those things that you need to negotiate in relationship in terms of your needs is financial, and women have been taught not to talk about money and not to expect too much, and that's one of those areas to get to the fourth stage, which is the stage of awakening, what we teach people is you need to talk about your needs when it comes to your financial. What do you need financially to be in relationship? That doesn't just mean an amount of money in your household. It means do do I need a joint account or, or separate accounts? Do we need a budget? Do I need to feel like I have worth financially? Is my career where I need it to be? So there, there's some of those components that are part of the financial. Right, right, where a lot of um, people think, men and women, that it's the man's responsibility to be the breadwinner and that the um, that whatever the woman does is kind of, in support of that, but not on the same, it's not equal to. Right, and so then you get that feeling of disparity. Right. Then then there's the emotional. What do you need to be in re- relationship emotionally? And we have a lot of people in recovery um, around the United States, around the world, that have emotional needs that never were met when they were children, that um, got um, even more intensified during their use time, and now in recovery, there's a lot of emotional needs. So what do they need to be uh, having in an emotional relationship with someone to feel stable and secure? I was talking to a coworker of mine um, who has been in recovery for a number of years, and we were joking about how in early recovery he would be in a feelings group, and he sat in feelings group for two weeks thinking, why are these people talking about these feelings? I, he had no concept. And he couldn't get in touch with any feelings. Right. And how over the course of 20 years that's evolved, you know, but um, just that total numbness that people get. Well, your feelings are frozen during your, and not just during your use. Sometimes they're frozen because you're going through other trauma in your life. And so it's much easier as a survival skill to freeze your feelings than to deal with them. Right. So, so, so far our stages of relationships um or the honeymoon, which so far sounds the best, delusion, <laughs> delusionment, misery, and now we're getting awakening, which um, still kind of sounds like uh, not a lot of fun. 
Well, the, it, it isn't as much fun, but the fun thing about it really is learning what you do need to be in relationship, and that's part of building your own self-esteem and taking your personal power back. In, in addiction, we lose a lot of our personal power, and, we, and part of that is our, our attachment to ourselves and our attachment to others. When you begin going through the process of understanding what you need, not want, but need to be in relationship financially, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, those four areas, you get a very concrete grasp of yourself and a feeling of personal achievement and personal stability, which translates to your relationship. Because how many times have you heard, until you are good with yourself, secure and, comp- and more complete with yourself and love yourself, you cannot love someone else. Well, no, and, and that's, that's true for anyone. And, you know, in, in looking at these stages, it's almost like we should go through awakening and then get in, you know. Like that should be the first stage we all go through. It would be nice, but I think that, that the way that our chemistry is made up, we like honeymoon first. Yeah, yeah. You know, once you get to the stage of awakening and you figure out what you need to be in relationship and you share that with each other, there is a feeling of comfort that occurs because you're sharing at a deep level. And the reality is all of us really want to be connected. That's what it's all about. We want to be connected. And when you feel like you can share that depth of your own self in those specific areas, what happens is that you meet an agreement to to agree to work together to meet those four basic areas, and that develops into the fifth stage. And that fifth stage is a stage of peace and calm. It does not mean it's always going to be peaceful or calm in your relationship. It means that you have a peace about your relationship. You know you're in it for the long haul, and the way that you approach conflict then is much calmer because you're not scratching at each other in order to hold on to each other. And there's an acceptance of the person for who they are and yes. who you want them to be. Yes. Yes. That's true. So and those stages, I, every type of relationship, we go through those stages with our children. And you can guess what age is misery is. Adolescence. Yeah, yeah. And some people never get to awakening and peace and calm with their parents. Right. You know, some people I've worked with 60-year-olds who are still in misery with their parents because they have unresolved issues around their needs. And and today being Christmas Eve, there are going to be people going back home or going somewhere where they may be in the stage of misery or disillusionment and and what do you say to them today? I mean, today's a, a holiday for a lot of people that it's supposed to be the celebration of good feelings and family and, and that connectedness. I would suggest that people ask themselves or, or self-reflect just for a minute and say, when I get into that household that I know I have issues with, I need to think about before I say things, I need to stop and ask myself this question is what I'm going to say and the way I'm going to say it, is it going to build the relationship up? Is it going to keep the relationship pretty even? Or is it going to tear it down? And what do I really want today? Do I want to build it up or do I want to keep it at least even? 
so what am how am I going to communicate and how am I going to act in order to to have it at that level or do I really not give a darn and I'm just going to say whatever I darn well feel and I know I'm going to tear down that relationship and and in the process you know Mary in the process they're going to tear down themselves right right and then ultimately be at more risk to pick up a drink or a drug exactly and you know we have all this power in our brains that we don't even understand and you you do have the power to change your brain and to affect what comes out of your mouth. Well, that's the theory, but it, to implement that, to practice that is, is can be difficult. You're right, and that's why we teach certain tips on how to help you change your brain and implement this to make it a practice, to make it part of your everyday uh, life cycle. When we look at... Um, I would like to talk about tips in a minute, but I'm really intrigued by this whole concept of the stages of relationship. And when we look at that in terms of recovery, um, that's kind of a metaphor for what oftentimes people go through in the recovery process as well. You're absolutely right. It is transferable to your own recovery. You go through the same stages in your own recovery. And when you first get in recovery, isn't it wonderful? Yep. And the whole pink cloud. Yep. Oh, yeah, everything's good. You're feeling better. You know, you're, people are giving you a lot of uh, support because you know, they're so happy for you. And and then the whole disillusionment that people get is like, is this all there is? Is this what recovery is about? I still have to pay my bills. I still have, <laughs> you know, my dog still barks all night. Um, my family still isn't sure about me. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then the misery of, um, you know, you know, is this worth it? Right. And that whole grief work around, I'm not going to be able to use again. Right. People feel miserable about that until they come to accept that there's another side to this, and that is that side of awakening that, in fact, I can begin my life anew. Right. 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 And until you see the options. That, that stage of awakening, until you see the options open to you in recovery, you can be stuck in misery for a long time. Right. And and we see that. Yes. And we see that everywhere. Yes. And then the peace and calm that comes with, um, and for a lot of people, the peace and calm that comes with working through the, the 12 steps and getting to the mm-hmm. point where they've kind of accepted themselves and the world around them. Yes. You know? Yes. And I think that this is so important because um, for for people who are involved in the 12 steps, it's a way of life that, that just supports um, growth and evolution. And, uh, and and I think that, that practicing those steps are good for people regardless of whether they have an addiction or, or whatever. And I think that's why the steps are transferred to so many different, there's so many different types of, Programs, you know, there's one for overeating, there's one for gambling, there's one for sex, there's one for shopping too much, there's one for mental illness, and um, it's just a way of life that um, I think is very supportive to people. I think that's the whole thing is that it is a lifestyle change, just as learning how to use your brain around conflict is a lifestyle change, and it works really well with the twelve-step program, you know, because many people are have unmanageability over anger and conflict. 
And, and because it does trigger the limbic system, some people substitute anger and conflict for their drug of choice because right. it actually sends off endorphins in the brain, similar to what other uh, drugs or medications do. Right. Uh, we had um, a couple weeks ago, um, one of our guests was Mo Armstrong, who is in recovery from uh, both mental illness and addiction, and, and he came and spoke at my uh, treatment center, and he said how the last thing he had to give up was rage. Mm-hmm. Because for him, getting angry and being rageful was the same thing as getting high. And it took a long time for him to make that connection. Yeah, it does for most people because they don't understand it comes out of the same center of the brain. People aren't often taught that, and so they don't know. And I'm glad that, that he was able to share that story with people. Yeah. Um, and John Lee, who is a uh, who is a man who works... Uh, a lot with uh, men, actually, in Texas, he was talking about rageful men and um, how culturally they're just not taught to express their feelings, but they can be angry, and that how dangerous it is for, for men to be rage, rageful. Yes. Yeah, particularly if they're in relationship with other people who don't, who are accommodators or avoiders, and they don't know what to do with that rage. Right. And... And um, when you talk about accommodators or avoiders, are there different types of, of um, characteristics of, of people in relationship? There are actually five styles that people communicate in conflict with. And the one style is to compete, and that's kind of like that dog-eat-dog, dog, mm-hmm. you know, I'll get you, I'm going to win because winning is status. And the second style is to accommodate, you know. Um, they're so concerned about the relationship and keeping the relationship that they'll bend over backwards, you know, and, and do everything that they can to keep the relationship even to their own detriment. Um, it's time now for another uh, commercial break. We'll be back in just a moment with one hour at a time. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, family center recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. 
If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold, or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out, and you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. Our guest today is Cynthia Moreno-Tui, the Executive Director for NADAC, the Association of Addiction Professionals. Cynthia, thank you so much for this um, timely discussion on uh, Christmas Eve. We were talking about the different stages of um, relationships that people go through, the honeymoon phase, the disillusionment phase, the misery phase, the, aw- the awakening phase, and finally the peace and calm phase. And in doing that, you were you were sharing with us that there are different styles of, um, of characteristics or styles of behavior that, that people um, take on when it comes to conflict. And the first one you were talking about was the competitive style. Right. And I was wondering if you could just finish that, that conversation for us. Sure. So the first style was the competitive style, and the second one was to accommodate the third style is to avoid, and that that is where someone just doesn't get into the argument, or they get behind the the um, you know the video player or the DVD, or they get behind the newspaper, or, or walk out of the house, walk out of the room when the argument occurs. That's the fourth style. I mean, the third style. The fourth style is to um, compromise. A lot of people think this is a healthy style because. If we're in conflict, I give you half the cookie, you you give me half the cookie. We split everything 50-50. The difficulty with this style is that somebody has to play the judge, and nobody really after a long period of time wants to play the judge, and everybody starts to wonder, did I really get half of the cookie? So the most healthy style of communication and conflict is the collaborator style, and that is to agree to find a way to listen to each other's needs, understand not what your truth is or what my truth is, but what is our truth. What is it that we can come up together, understanding how we feel about the situation, and then come to an agreement about how we can move forward. You know, it's very interesting because um, people seem to be so afraid of conflict, and that's probably because most of us haven't learned how to deal with it well. But when we see conflict as an opportunity for growth or an opportunity to make things better um, or 
see conflict as just a natural part of, of life, so many good things can come from conflict. Absolutely. I mean, conf- the, the positive about conflict is it helps us understand each other better and understand people's perceptions because we're all made up of different fabric and different experiences. So conflict can be seen as an opportunity to learn more and to understand more versus, oh, my gosh, I'm, uh, this is going to be awful. Right, right. And I know we're focused on recovery, but I know, like, in, in my organization, we function much better when we can have open conflict with each other and we don't function well when everybody's either accommodating or compromising or avoiding um, because uh, whatever the issue was never gets resolved. And so there's always this tension. You know? Right. And, and it, from my perspective, it's much better to just get it all out and, you know, let's find a solution. Well, it's important on how you get it out because if you get it out in a competitive style, it's still conflict and it still bruises people. If you get it out in a collaborative style, then you really are listening to the other person and caring about what their needs and perceptions are. So it's, it is important to get it out. The style in which you get it out is, is as important as getting it out. And I think, you know, in, in recovery, a lot of people say, well, I, I said everything I needed to say. Well, yeah, but you chopped the person down in the meantime. Right. Right. That doesn't, that you know, so the, hanging your hat on getting it all out isn't always the best thing. It's really understanding what is a way that I can get this out. And that's why we teach tips about how to enter into conflict conversations that will make the conversation better for both sides. And um, I, I would like to continue with that. One of the things that people are often taught in in treatment and in early recovery is that um, they, they need to put everything out on the table. So they have, So what I often hear people say, very hurtful things to other people be, in the name of, well, I'm doing this for my own recovery. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm speaking to. Yes. And that's hurtful because should it be done to them in that way, they will walk away feeling hurt. There are ways to... to enter into conflict without beating up the limbic system, you know, that part of your brain. There's a way to enter into conflict and have conversations that hit the cortex, which is our discovery, our solution-focused part of our brain, and that's the part of the brain that you want people to have these discussions in. And how do we do that as treatment providers or as just family members that want to have a really good holiday season? How do we do that? I think the first thing that we do is is we look at the tips. The first tip is not to assume intention. So if somebody says something or looks at you a certain way, not to assume that because they looked at you that way or because they said something that it's about you personally or that it means anything specifically without asking that question. So just slowing down and and saying to yourself, I'm not going to assume their intention. I'm going to back away from the conflict by not, or entering into the conflict with this feeling like they intended to hurt my feelings. So that also speaks to resentments and being able to understand if you can't resolve your resentments, at least know what they are before you enter into some of our um, existing relationships. Right, because resentments sometimes are built on misinformation and misunderstandings. 
And the whole idea about this is getting to those misunderstandings and misinformation because we assumed. Uh-huh. We assumed something. So we build resentment and tension on things that we don't even really know about, that we haven't cleared up. Right. And that's why we, we move to the second um, tip, which is to be an archaeologist. Dig down. Find out what the reality is. Ask the person. Do you know when you said this to me, Mary, I felt overwhelmed. Is, is, that, is, is this really what you meant? You know, ask about it. Ask them to explain more or to help you understand if you're getting it right, if you're getting their intention correct. What a concept, huh? What a concept. So being an archaeologist means discovering what was behind whatever was said versus assuming what they said. So digging a little bit deeper. And, you know, at Christmas time, our feelings are so more on our sleeve that it's important, I think, to slow down and, and, and ask people, well, is that really what you meant? Or did you realize when you did this that um, it affected me this way? Right. You know, to have that conversation is important. Right. Right, especially people are tired and they're overwhelmed and um, they're trying to do too much. Yes. Yeah. Or people may be feeling, um, if they're in early recovery or financially, they may not be able to um, participate in the way that they would like to participate and they may be feeling bad about that as well. Right, right. You know. And, and that's also part of that never assuming intent because they may be coming across at you like they're grouchy, but in fact what they're really feeling is, oh, I don't have the money to spend right. your gift that I would like to spend. Right. Yeah. Or, yeah, or I don't have the outfit I would like to, to look good like everyone else. Or, right. you know. or I feel too fat to be wearing my old Christmas dress. <laughs> yeah, well, I can certainly identify with that one. <laughs> Um, what's the next tip? The next tip is to cultivate confusion. It's, it's, it, what, what one does in this tip is that they, they act confused. You know, it reminds you of the old detective thing, like, Columbo. well, is, is what you meant by, Columbo, right, yeah. is what you meant by this, uh, did you, you know, I, I'm confused, did you mean to say that I'm a jerk? <laughs> you know, I'm confused. Did you, are, is what you're meaning is that you, you're upset with me because I referred to something, whatever it was that I referred to. So what it does is it leads with confusion. So it leads the conversation with, I'm confused, I don't understand, help me understand types of lead-in uh, statements. Once again, trying not to assume and trying to dig down and find out you know, what the intention was. Yes, and not projecting poop. And I think this is what's important. And the word is poop. Uh, some kids call it doo-doo. But uh-huh. it's not projecting poop because what we tend to do when we're in conflict is we'll project poop by our statements and the way that we say them. So this is really meant to not only cultivate confusion so that you can get to a clearer understanding of what, the conflict is, it is also so that you don't project more poop into the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're talking about 
uh, ways to uh, avoid conflict. We're, we're talking about not assuming other people's intentions to really slow down and find out um, what is actually going on, um, to dig down a little bit, to uh, discover, you know, why someone said what they said, to be able to um, use confusion as a way to sort out, you know, um, help me understand what you just said or help me understand what you mean by this mm-hmm. or just not to project poop and um, and just dig things from the past to throw more fire onto the, more coals onto the fire. Right. So um, as we, uh, we have one more segment and we will continue to talk about tips and find out resources from Cynthia where people can learn more about this. So um, we'll be back in just a minute. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, families into recovery for co-occurring mental illness and substance abuse disorders. If you're looking for a better way to clean the air in your home or office, you need the all-new ozone light. It's as simple as changing your light bulbs. The ozone light looks like a normal spiral type of light bulb. It screws in most standard light sockets, but it's not a normal light bulb. It's coated with titanium dioxide. It's completely safe, but this unique coating kills most airborne bacteria, mold spores, and neutralizes odors. Just one light cleans the air in an entire room and lasts eight times longer than the normal light bulb. If you have smokers, if you have allergies, if you have pet odors, mold, or mildew, you need the ozone light. It will wipe them out. And you have our word. If you're not satisfied with the way the ozone light cleans the air in your home, simply return it for a full refund. Here's the number to call to order. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. Save up to $100 now. 800-380-4259. 800-380-4259. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back to One Hour at a Time. Uh, it's December 24th. Merry Christmas, everyone. And we have a very timely discussion going on regarding conflict resolution, early recovery, relationships. And uh, we have Cynthia Moreno-Tui, the Executive Director for NADAC, the Association of Addiction Professionals, with us. And Cynthia is going 
sharing with us some tips that we can do to avoid conflict or if we're in conflict, how to not escalate it. Cynthia, we've gone through four. Are there more? Yes, there are. Um, Let me go through the next one, and that's called standing still in the moment. And that is when we feel our anger or frustration bubbling up, and oftentimes we'll know that because our heart will beat faster or we can't wait to say something or we're turning red. That's the time to stand still in the moment and slow down your internal train. That's the time to to just do a personal mantra or count to ten, whatever it is that helps you to slow down. Say the serenity prayer, slow down, because what you're about to say could damage the situation more than it really needs to be damaged at this point in time. So that, that, that's yet another tip. Um, one of the other tips we teach is the paradox of control. You know, a lot of us think that all we need to do is control our environment or control the people in it, and we really work to do that. Right. The paradox of control is that I don't need to control. If I'm living a collaborative life and I'm thinking in terms of conflict collaboratively, then I don't need to control the other person. I don't need to control what they say or do or how they say and do it because we will always get to understanding what our truth is. Not my truth, not your truth, but what our truth is. And when you really get to that place of, of living collaboratively and understanding our truth, you don't need to con- try to control anybody. Right, and the more you try to control, the more out of control you become. Amen. Boy, that's true. Um, one of the other tips that we teach is it's important to learn how to have a blameless relationship with yourself. You know how we blame ourselves? Oh, constantly, yeah. Yeah, and that inner child or that inner talk is, you know, you need to do this better or you need to look better or you need to say that better, and we're right. constantly blaming ourselves. And part of reducing conflict in your life is when we blame ourselves all the time, there has to be a, a valve to release all of that negativity. And what we tend to do at some point is to release it on other people. So if we learn how to have a blameless relationship with ourselves. We might actually learn how to have a blameless relationship with other people and just look at differences of opinion as differences of opinion instead of that person's bad or that person's against me. Right. It's, it, there's no reason to blame or shame the other person. It's really about they just have a different perspective. Right, right. So so that tip, I think, is very helpful. There's a, a tip, uh, Mary, that we talk to particularly for accommodators. You know how accommodators are always forgiving people because they're so worried about their relationship. Right. Some people call call that codependency. We have this saying about pre- premature forgiveness, that people who are codependent or, pre- or, or um, accommodators. forgivers, accommodators, is that they forgive too quickly so that they don't stay in the conversation to actually get to the place of collaboration. They're too busy trying to fix the relationship instead of really understand not the just the other person, but understand themselves. Right. 
What about people who just avoid conflict? What are some tips for them? People who avoid con- conflict, we teach them how to put their their need to avoid down and enter into the conversation. So how do you keep the conversation going? So for avoiders, they're the ice, right? The, mm-hmm. the fire is the comp- competitor, the competitor type style. Mm-hmm. The avoider is the ice style. And what we, we ask them to do is learn how to stay in the conversation and learn how to take it to that next level where they're actually find those frozen feelings that they have and learn how to speak about it. So we're teaching some of the words and phrases that they can use to help them speak about their issues. And help them kind of stay in the moment as well? Yes, yes. Well, that's part of it. You can't. It's hard to stay in the conversation if you're not staying in the moment. And you, what you're teaching them is this is your moment to have the conversation because you do not know what will happen if you don't stay in the conversation. In other words, if I avoid this conversation and say I'll get back to it next week or the next day or even, you know, two hours from now, emotions change, they change, and it may not pick up at the same place where it left off in terms of a positive way of picking up. Right, right. Um, Where can people go to learn more about this, all this great information? Well, they can... Email me at cmoreno at nadac.org, and that's N-A-A-D-A-C dot org. Uh, that's one way to learn more is to contact me. And as you asked me at break, um, we, a book is being published about this on, on the brain and uh, for trainers so that they can learn how to train this uh, at their place of practice or in their churches or in their whatever is their support service, uh, as well as a workbook on how to help yourself uh, work through conflict in your life and change your brain and understand where your conflict is coming from. I mean, what what are the what's the background that builds up your conflict in your life? Right, and I think being able to put this on a, in a brain perspective, it does take away some of the shame and blame. And that to know that by doing, by changing our, our brain chemistry, we can really have a better life too, you know, and that, that we do have control over that. And that's very important. I think you're absolutely right. Not only is it important in terms of making our lives better and healthier, it's important in building our own self-esteem. Mm-hmm. That we actually have the power to change who we are and make our lives better. And those around us, they become more attracted to us and more wanting to be around us because let's face it, we're more thoughtful and more fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, for people in recovery or, or anyone today who is, you know, going to an event where they're kind of dreading um, because of past uh, relationship problems or because whatever relationship they're in is, still in disillusionment or they're stuck in misery, it's important for, for everyone to understand is that you can do something today to affect um, yourself and the conflicts that you feel around you and that um, they're simple things through the things that Cynthia has described and, and to just feel empowered that this, this Christmas doesn't have to be like all the rest. Right. 
That's absolutely right. And and if you're feeling disconnected or or that you're not with someone here on this Christmas Eve, it's important to get to a meeting or get to uh, a place where you can connect, whether that's a church or a synagogue or a temple or a mosque. Get someplace with people. Allow yourself to be around others and allow yourself to realize that you have the ability to change your life and to be happier and at peace in your own world, in your own life. Right. And that's so important today um, when uh, so many people are uh, out partying and uh, trying to uh, be sober for the first time or struggling to be sober for the tenth time mm-hmm. that, uh, that, you know, there is, there are alternatives and, um, you know, dealing with conflict is so important and it should be part of everybody's recovery toolbox. And this is something that all treatment programs should be able to teach people because, as we said earlier, most of us are taught that relationships are all about the honeymoon phase and we do end up opting out of relationships during disillusionment or misery or even during the awakening where you think, oh, wow, you know, this is what I need and we don't negotiate or begin to look at that with our partner. Um, and so we opt out at that time, too. And um, this is information that, that we all need, whether we're in recovery or not in recovery, young, old, this is important. You're right, Mary, because what we'll do is we'll just carry that baggage to the next relationship. Right. If we don't learn how to do it now, and if we don't learn how to do it with ourselves and each other, it just gets passed down from one relationship to the next, only the pile of the baggage gets higher and higher because, of course, the negative experiences grow as well. Right. Okay. So um, for all of you who um, are looking for more information on conflict resolution and relationships, Cynthia will be uh, publishing a book the first of the year. You can contact her, as she said, at, um, at NADAC. And uh, she will also hopefully be a, a future guest on our show to talk more with us after her um, book has been published. And we would like to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a safe and sober holiday. And remember, today of all days, this is probably a good day to take your recovery one hour at a time. Um, Merry Christmas. To, yeah, Merry Christmas and peace to everyone. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system.